and and slowly but surely we're going to come at the point where all of our relevant transactions will be stored on blockchain because similar to the internet the internet connected us to information blockchain as a technology as a whole without talking enterprise and public or private will connect us to our transactions Hello everyone and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. Encrypted is the Middle East's largest podcast dedicated to blockchain, crypto and fintech ecosystem. I'm your host, Ahmed Balaghi. In this episode, we welcome Saqar Arakat, a senior consultant at IBM, and also Akbar Farooq, who's the founder of JustChain. This episode is all about real-world use cases underpinned by blockchain technology. We start off speaking about what blockchain applications are currently live in the Middle Eastern region, and where enterprises actually utilize blockchain for the betterment of business. We go on to discuss the challenges of raising funding for proof of concept projects, and they both walk us through their own experiences in each of their domains and advise companies on how best to approach funding for a proof of concept. We discuss this and a wide range more topics on this episode. Now, before we start, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Blockfinex. It's the global cryptocurrency exchange where you could trade your cryptos in seconds with one of the fastest matching engines in this space. And high liquidity, you could trade your favorite cryptocurrencies quickly and seamlessly. Blockfinex offers one of the most competitive trading fees compared to industry-leading competitors, as well as a quick onboarding process for its users. You can find them at blockfinex.com. Also, I'd really like to thank those who've been supporting the show and remember you can support us in any way possible. You can subscribe, rate and review the show sharing the podcast on your social media and any other way you feel like supporting. And now on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Encrypto podcast. We are here live in Jitex again for our amazing third podcast at this show. And we're super excited to have an amazing discussion with super cool guests. Joining me is Nick Watson, my co-host. First time I've seen him in six months. Thank you, COVID or Rona how we want to call her. And to my left, I have Sagar. I don't want to butcher your surname. If you could Arakat. say it. Arakat. <laughs> thank you for that. Say hello. How are you doing? Hey, my name is Sagar Arakat. It's an absolute pleasure to actually meet you guys in person. We've been, <laughs> in, we've been in touch for years, but we're actually meeting in person. So that's a good thing. Absolutely. Likewise. And we also have Akbar Farooq. Say hello. Hi there, Rai Hamad. Nice to meet you. And thank you for having me on this podcast. Absolutely. Sagar, quickly introduce yourself for those who don't know you. Right. My name is Sakir Arikat. I'm the best form of Palestinian you'll ever meet because I'm made in Germany. And I lead, <laughs> I lead the consulting sector in Dubai for IBM. Akbar? My name is Akbar Farooq. I'm the CEO founder of Justice Chain. Originally, I'm from India. Again, second largest populous country in the world. And yeah, so we are into blockchain and in the justice of public safety space. Awesome. So today, we want to focus this episode on the enterprise space since we have two amazing guests who live and breathe this world and my older co-host who also... I love it, the older co- there you go. I call him the millennial, so that's why I get, I get pigeonholed into the old bracket. Yes. Anything over millennial, you're old. There you go, right? The so, white generation. The, so the millennial in this podcast might just sit silent and let you do all the... Let me do all the work, right? You know, we do all the hard enterprise grade work, right? Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So I'd really like to start off, you know, it's been a couple of years since the Dubai blockchain strategy and, and a couple of years since all the hype of blockchain. I just want to go straight into it. I just want to see what do we see currently live in the region or even maybe outside, right, where enterprise actually utilizes technology for their business or maybe even for just the betterment of society. So if I think about my 
early days in blockchain, 2014, 15, I was really taken by the potential of it, right? And I really thought that within a couple of years, by now, actually, we would have blockchain everywhere. That hasn't happened. Mm. Having said that, large blockchain applications are live right now on enterprise scale, right? Mm. We look at, for example, WeTrade. That's an entire collective coming together saying we want to trade on certain standards mm. and we are unifying them on blockchain. We look at TradeLens, which is essentially a joint venture between IBM and Maersk where they came out and we said, you know what, we can digitize trade, we can track containers, we can make it more simple by being able to use this technology called blockchain, right? Then we have cases like the Food Trust Network, right, which essentially allows you to lower the time that mm. you can find contaminated food or trace food back from farm to fork within seconds, which usually would take days and weeks, right? And then you have pockets of excellence, and Akbar will, of course, allude to this, where we see governments and private sector entities that are relevant adopting it in particular use cases. Mm. So while I haven't seen the adoption that I was hoping for, it's still to mention that we are seeing global kind of use cases that are coming out and the benefit is day by day becoming clearer for enterprise particularly. Awesome. Akbar, do you yeah, absolutely add agree with the statement. I think it's just a matter of time. It's, it's, it's going to explore it. We come from the other spectrum, which is on the courts, justice and public safety which is traditionally kind of you know, risk-aversive and you know, they want to make sure the technology is proven before they kind of go with it. And usually governments, again, you know, they are really risk-aversive. And, and of course, the blockchain is totally a new technology for, for all of them. And people are still kicking the tires to kind of see whether this is going to work for them. Right. Why do we change our business model from you know, what we're doing right now? How is it going to give us the benefits we need? Why do we change? We have invested millions of dollars in our current infrastructure. Do we need to like rip it all, all of them mm. and then kind of put everything in a blockchain network? So there's a lot of those thinking that's happening. But slowly they're trying to, again, of course, there's also the education element of it. And people are slowly realizing that, yes, this is going to give them benefit. But again, they haven't really seen the full-fledged implementation of it. So there's a lot of kind of doubts. I think that's where implementers like us come in and kind of help them out, show them the proof of concept and, and kind of help them. So we have some use cases for us specifically. We are the world's first to bring in blockchain platform to the notary public yep. use case there. And we are also using the blockchain platform to bring in judgments, like code judgments on blockchain, evidence management on blockchain, right? I mean, evidence goes through different entities. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a whole chain that needs to be maintained. So bringing in evidence on blockchain. Also, I know, connecting the law enforcement community, like the police officers to the prosecutors to the judge, like even the arrest warrant, right? I mean... Traditionally, every entity has to enter the same information into their silos, individual databases, but blockchain makes it easier with the distributed technology. Everybody has the same information at the same time. They can make better decisions at the right time. So yeah, so slowly those are some of the use cases we are seeing in adoption. We also, just in UAE, we are working on wills on blockchain. So that's another paper-intensive process where you got to go to multiple entities to get your documents verified, ratified, and get your wills executed. So with this platform, people are able to do that in, in a matter of hours as opposed to a few weeks. What were your entries into the blockchain space? So obviously you have very, you've seen real enterprise use of the technology, but did it start as you had a, a company who had a problem and then you went, well, well, how could we do this? You looked at traditional systems and then you went, why don't we try something a bit more scarier and new and... Actually, that's exactly what happened. So we have a company that does non-blockchain. So we've been doing that for five, four or five years now. 
And then in the blockchain head, we kind of dabbled on it for since 2018, late 2019. And then we, we were quickly convinced that you know, the blockchain was really going to solve some of the underlying problems in the traditional world. And we said, boom, and that was like a perfect storm. And then, of course, UAE was kind of spearheading the blockchain you know, and strategy. And that's how the Just Chain was, was born. Yes, to answer your question, yes, traditionally, that's how we've been doing with the traditional you know, web platforms, web 2.0. SPA.net and all that. But of course, this is like revolutionizing everything that we've been doing so far. And your side, Sakhar? Now, from my end, it was actually quite interesting because we were engaged with a government entity and they were looking to find out new technologies, emerging technologies that they can use to offer to the public. Right. And we were working with IBM Research, which by the time I didn't know, but they've been the IP leader in the world of business for the past 25 years, running consecutively. And they came up with this word in 2014, early 15, somewhere along those lines. And they are like blockchain. And at the time, the use case was vehicle lifecycle management, mm. right? How do you manage the lifecycle of a vehicle and are able to ensure? And as soon as I saw that, I was like, there's a lot of applications there, right? And enterprise blockchain was still not a thing. So even the hyperledger community was either nascent. it was, hadn't been yeah. created or it was in its nascent state at the time and had a couple of members. And as soon as I came into it, I came into it from a completely different point of view. Most of the people enter from a public blockchain point of view, Ethereum, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. I came from an enterprise point of view and then went into the open world. And I think what I should mention here is that although I am an IBM employee, anything that I say on this podcast is my personal point of view and not necessarily IBM's point of view. I have to do this legal disclaimer. Yeah, that's, so. <laughs> that's, a, that's fine. That means you could ask you personally about the Bitcoin-y stuff later. <laughs> okay, awesome. I mean, Akbar, like when it comes to actual implementation working with these enterprises, I mean, what challenges have you faced when actually, A, let's say, closing that cell and going up to them, closing the cell and actually then implementing, you know, what were the sort of challenges and obstacles that you face in that process? Sure. So when it comes to blockchain implementation, I guess it's, it's an ecosystem, right? It's not just one entity who wants to go mm. blockchain, right? So it's about convincing. So if you're talking to an uh, use case where you have multiple entities participating in that use case, so you want to make sure all those entities are on board for an effective blockchain to work, right? It's not just going to work for one entity so you need, you need to have that consortium kind of thing where you know, you're know building an ecosystem where even though one entity is convinced, mm -hmm. the challenge we're facing is how do we convince all the, let's say there are five entities, five nodes that want to participate in the blockchain network, how do you convince mm -hmm. the entities? One entity is convinced, second entity is not convinced, so how do you bring them on board? So that's kind of one of the challenges and, and of course kind of goes into the governance, right? So who maintains yeah. that network and how do you make sure that this entity has control on the network? Or how do we trust that entity? Of course, there are different protocols on that. But again, just from a policy, the governance perspective, yes, technology is there. But I think it's more on the policy, governance, and making sure, bringing them on board. I think those are some of the tough challenges we're, we're facing and making sure everybody's on the same page. Gotcha. And in the notary public domain, I mean, is this live right now or like as oh, we are end in the user? We are in the process nice. of in the final stages. So okay. we are, in, we are in, a, in a bit process right now. So yeah, I can't disclose much. And we are working with other jurisdictions who wanted to kind of, we already done demos for them. So they want to try out in the early next year. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. So that basically means if I wanted like to verify that I did have this degree and I did, you know, I don't need to basically go to a notary public of that's the goal. Yes, that, that's the goal. So yeah. you, you'll be able to instantly verify this document was notarized and we have expirations on it. You can set expirations before it get notarized so you know this document is valid. Awesome. 
and this was attested by the so and so notary notary public officer. So yeah, so that's the goal, and we are we're working very hard to get there. One of the big barriers for a lot of startups who are in blockchain space, but specifically the enterprise space, because there's no token to issue and just make money out of nowhere, is getting a paid POC. Right. What was your life cycle like on that? Did you did you were you successful in getting you to pay you to build the tech to uh, deploy it? I know. I mean, COVID has pretty much hit badly with all the funding situations. So we understand that. So we were able to be a little flexible in that. That we said, okay, we'll do a free proof of concept. I mean, if that helps you guys to kind of establish and get that funding at least for the subsequent years for the real implementation. So we've been kind of a little flexible in trying to you know help them out as well, right? Because of the pandemic situation. And since our parent company is the the non-public blockchain, so we have self-funding our mm, own projects. Okay, so so again, were, just were, to kind of get get in the, get the access to the market. Yeah. Before we move on, here's a quick word from our sponsor, BlockFinex. BlockFinex is a global cryptocurrency exchange where you can trade your cryptocurrencies in lightning fast speed. With BlockFinex, you trade with low fees compared to other exchanges. They have one of the fastest matching engines in this space with massive market leading liquidity, so you can quickly and easily trade your favorite coins in seconds. Do make sure you pre-register before they launch for exclusive offers. You can find them at BlockFinex.com. And then how, do, how does that work on the IBM side in terms of somebody who has a brilliant idea and wants to get a POCI into a government org? Do you guys fund, is it possible for you guys to fund the startup side or you fund the project side for the government entity or whatever it is or provide making, support you're, mechanisms? You're making me a talk on behalf of IBM, but no, in all intents and purposes, as a startup, yeah. you can get funded by IBM, yeah. right? And, and that is in form of cloud credits. Right? Okay. You go on IBM's cloud and similar to AWS or Microsoft or Oracle, you go on IBM's cloud and they want you to use IBM's cloud. Okay. So part of the services that are available on IBM cloud is the IBM blockchain platform. Okay. Right. The IBM blockchain platform, you can then start using on IBM's cloud and you can, I think, get up to, without, without too much uh, hassle as a startup, uh, get up to $200,000 in funding. Don't hold me to the number. It, it, it Sounds about the same as what Microsoft does yeah, and all the other guys. It's, okay. in, that, it's in, that, in that region, which then helps a startup particularly yeah. who would need to invest in that tech setup and access and everything to actually hit, hit the market. Now, in the early days, we also discussed at the time proof of concepts that maybe in some cases weren't paid. Having said that, as as the market matures, what we're seeing now is or particularly on my level, I spend most of the time trying to convince people or having the discussion why they do need blockchain rather than not using blockchain. Because yeah. with us being in Dubai, and there's no doubt about the fact that there's a little bit of a hype around this entire technology called blockchain. Because really, it's not this form of, you know, it's not artificial intelligence. It isn't IoT. It isn't, you can't touch it. You can't feel it. And it isn't the type of, sexy technology, I would say, but it's hyped up to be. But the big benefit is not coming from the, the sexy use cases. It's coming from process improvement. It's coming from being able to make something quicker. In, in, in your case, it's, it's ensuring that I can certify my documents rather than five days within one day, right? And these aren't necessarily the, the big ticket items that are super exciting, but these are the big ticket items that actually drive business benefit. So most of the time, people 
come and ask me, why should I use blockchain? And I tell them, okay, no, you, if you're, you're thinking about it. it this way, <laughs> then don't use blockchain. I don't want to have a conversation about why you should use blockchain. I want to hear about your business challenges and what they are. If those business challenges then fit a particular blockchain use case, let's talk about it. Mm. Personally, I've moved away from actually discussing why we should use blockchain and actually turning this on its head yeah. and say why you shouldn't use blockchain. Because in the majority of cases that we're seeing, especially in the early discussions, it's a centralized system. In a centralized system, you need a centralized system. You don't need a decentralized technology like blockchain. Notary Public is a great example how it is centralized and decentralized at the same time, right? Because there's different players to it. Long story short, I spend most of my time trying to convince people that they yeah. shouldn't use blockchain or taking them through the journey that does blockchain actually make sense to them or not. And then figuring out that pocket in that wide process where blockchain can drive a business benefit. And then when you try it directly to business benefit, the POC funds itself, yeah. really. So this is the thing. I've met a lot of startups, especially in normal industry. And then, of course, I'm trying to get POC budget and then meeting blockchain startups trying to get POC budget. And you need to either meet an IT director or a CIO who's a FOMO blockchain crypto buyer. <laughs> and he's like, absolutely, I'll find the $50,000. We'll get you the POC, no problem. And he moves heaven and earth. And then you find the traditional CIO if it's not SAP, if it's not IBM, if it's not this, I'm not putting my name on it because I'm going to get fired if it goes wrong. But they can find $50,000 for a, a special cable to connect <laughs> one box to another. They can't find $50,000 to try an innovative technology that could save them millions of dollars in auditing. Again, because we're, we're not making the conversation about that. Exactly. And that's, that's startups, where, they don't pitch like that. That's exactly. And, and to anyone that's listening to this, if your value proposition is around blockchain can do X, Y, Z, change it to blockchain can save X, Y, Z. Dollars, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if you're doing something on blockchain, that makes sense. Right. And, and case in point, the gentleman that's sharing this podcast with me right now, then you can make a business benefit clear in dollar value. If a business benefit is clear in dollar value, the idea of how you fund it becomes secondary. Right. Mm. You'll go into mm. the market and start funding saying this person will sign if I have this proof of concept and you'll find venture capitalist money from left, right and center. Did you did you go with. Hyperledger, right? Self -funded. Uh, Hyperledger, yeah. yeah. So you went with Hyperledger. So was that because it was permissioned? And it gave you more control. Private, yeah, more control. And so. it also had IBM name. That too. We Did you go with Hyperledger Fabrics? Sorry. We, or, we or, the fabric, okay. right. So we have three platforms. We have it on IBM Cloud, Blockchain Cloud, and we have it on Hyperledger Fabric, the open source. Okay. And we also have the Ethereum. We started with Ethereum first. Okay. And since UAE market was leaning towards the Hyperledger, so we kind of pivoted. It gave you the extra power, extra right? Power. To get what you wanted. Okay. Yeah. So and then we kind of pivoted to the Hyperledger. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. If I may. We aren't actually the owners of Hyperledger, right? Yeah, so yeah, this, there's this common misperception. You know, when you speak to a lot of startups in the region, yeah. anybody who's in the blockchain space, you know, blockchain is sexy when you talk about crypto, as you it said. Is, it's yes. not yeah. when you talk about blockchain. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's a ledger. Right. Well, that's accountant <laughs> stuff, right? But when you're a startup pitching I, and you speak to these guys, they want to attach as many brands as possible to what they're doing to make it look like it's enterprise. I mean, we make up this word on this episode, but enterprisey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that gets you the enterprise guys to buy in because if they're used to spending millions of dollars on SAP or any other named brand technology, they can get the budgets in seconds. But when it's literally a lifesaver for a startup, and this is what bothers me the most with CIOs and CTOs in traditional established markets where big budgets are spent, but literally millions on firewalls, but not on some base level blockchain security to stop before you get to the firewall, right? 
it bothers me because I speak to these startups. So the question is, what can they do? And like you said, flip the pitch, which is one thing, but attach brands is another, and then changing the culture. So you do a lot of work on educating yes. enterprises, and that's a key role you have, right? So less less now than yeah. before. Okay. So I assume the education, like everyone knows what it is. I'd assume. I'd be surprised. <laughs> it's oh. just because you know yeah. we surround yeah. ourselves yeah. with yeah. people yeah. We, that we know. Like it's it, been so a couple of years. No, I mean it's just been. Man, I've spoken to so many CIOs in Saudi and in this region that don't understand it. They just automatically assume blockchain to crypto. And yeah. even worse uh, are the ones that think they understand it but they don't. Yes. Interesting. Right. So. Yes, a lot of my time spent, and at the time I called myself an evangelist, because you know I don't think anyone should call themselves a blockchain expert, by the way. Mm. This technology is so mm. nascent, mm. anyone who's coming out there saying he's, a, he's an expert is already someone I take two steps away yeah. from, right? So I think the most time that I spend on blockchain discussions today is to actually identify the business value, right? That's where it needs to start, right? If it doesn't start with business value, then, like you said, you've already lost the argument further down the line. Even if today you can convince, maybe we have four people on this panel, I'll convince the four of you that this is a great idea. If I don't tie it back to a business benefit, to a dollar value that I can go back and take to my shareholders and say, by investing, let's say $100,000, a million dollars into this, the ROI is within three to four years by saving X on every transaction, you know, that's what investors want to hear. That's what companies want to hear. And this pitch is not a CIO pitch. It suddenly becomes a CIO, a CEO, and CFO pitch. But you need a CIO to be able to build the pitch. Yes. And they need a startup. If they, the CIO can't do it, especially in this region, you would know this. Yeah. They can't do that pitch. They're just procurement people. You need the startup to do it for them. And if the startup doesn't really truly understand the enterprise space, then they just go with their beautiful VC pitches or whatever. And they're like trying to, pitch a guy that literally cannot translate what you're saying over here into what the board or the somebody else is going to hold the bag for the responsibility because most CIOs will not want to take that. They'll buy something they know and they'll keep right. doing it over and over and over again. When it breaks, it wasn't me. Everybody else is using that technology. Yeah. In Europe, it's a little bit more different. You still have the stalwarts, but how was your experience over here for that? I would say yes and no. So I think some jurisdictions we talked to, I think they were, were kind of in the leading edge of technology, so they really knew what blockchain was. So we did have some success there. And then, of course, and then the other side, of course, you know, <laughs> it was totally uh, uphill battle in trying to convince and that being translated into the different heads of the organization. So, so yeah, so it was yes and no. But again, like I said, it's all about, you know, making sure everybody's on the same page and they understand the business value and the savings they're going to get. I think that's what is going to take it to the implementation stage, yeah. Awesome. And so if you want to, to look, you know, a couple years down the line, what does adoption really look like from an enterprise level? Can you guys like sort of paint a picture of what that means and what it means for people like us, right? just normal end users? I think to the normal end user, the benefit will slowly start filtering out, right? And it's going to be, I, I compare it to, to the internet, right? When we, even today, and you're probably listening to this podcast via the internet, if I'd asked you to draw me a diagram of how the internet works, you probably wouldn't know, right? Even though you're a technology person, I, I consider myself a technologist, and I think I'll maybe get 80% of that question right, yeah? And in the beginning of the internet, 
for us that remember at the time. <laughs> you, you don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, no, because I think I was, I was eight, nine years old when I started with the internet. Everyone was like, okay, no, we shouldn't, we don't need this. This doesn't make sense. The first online shop that was out there is like, who's going to go online and buy something there without trying it on, right? The first car that was sold online, anyhow, is a shortcutting that story. I think we're going to go through a similar adoption curve with blockchain right? I think a couple of years down the line, there will still be people that don't understand it, but are using the benefit of it. Uh, case in point in, in your use case, to make it specific, right? I think there's going to be people who will use Just Chain and get a benefit from Just Chain, and that benefit will be that they can do the transaction quicker without actually understanding what's happening in the background. And I can see more and more and more of this happening, and we can see it already where relevant transactions are already moving to blockchain. So, for example, in Dubai, there is not a government entity that is relevant that isn't using blockchain, and it's in the background, right? So I can see these benefits slowly filtering out, and they'll be, I can do things quicker, I can do things cheaper to talk about consumer benefit, right? Do them quicker, I can do them cheaper, I can do them with less effort on myself. And referencing back to the blockchain strategy of Dubai, that called out how many kilometers you will save and how many paper you will save. And I can see that adoption going in stages, right? It's going to start with relevant transactions that need to be stored on blockchain. And then it's going to go into a wider adoption of blockchain, maybe even an adoption of cryptocurrency, right? Or digital currency. Let's not all call it cryptocurrency, right? A central bank digital coin, a CBDC, that is going to be start using. And, and slowly but surely, we're going to come at the point where all of our relevant transactions will be stored on blockchain yep. because similar to the internet, the internet connected us to information. Blockchain as a technology as a whole, without talking enterprise and public or private, will connect us to our transactions. I just want to quote, I think it was a report by Gartner, I think, talking about blockchain adoption. I think they're talking about 2025 for it to kind of you know, peak and then kind of you know, stabilize from there on or plateau from there on. So, so yeah, so looking at still four to five years for 100% adoption, and it's going to be in stages, right? I mean, so if you talk about the maturity model, right? I mean, we are still in phase zero, if you will, yeah. and as people go through that curve, and it's going to be at least five years when we get to the full maturity model of a blockchain, because there's still a lot of unknowns out there, and protocols are still being developed, and we got Ethereum 2.0, which is still in phase, phase zero, and for everything to kind of crystallize and kind of, you know, get to the maturity model, it, it's going to take some time. Yeah. I mean, even I saw the stat last year that said by 2025, just on public blockchains alone, we'll see 20 billion transactions a year, which I think is actually low. I think by then we'll probably be at way more. And on the private blockchain side, I'm not, not 100% sure, but I would assume if this enterprise adoption does take place it would dwarf as well maybe for a couple of years and then we'll i'd like to also bring this out i mean where do you see the public private blockchain conversation going that, that like quickly private, becomes philosophical private, <laughs> private um, public internet also had yeah, the same. exactly exactly i am so look we we are living in a world of institutions right this decentralized world that was opened up to us by bitcoin being released in 2008 is not a world that we know no it's not a world yeah. that is real just yet. It's slowly but surely becoming a reality. But, you know, if other than us blockchain adopters, you don't see normal people starting to work in decentralized ways, right? And similarly, companies are slowly but surely 
adopting this idea that, okay, I don't do things in silos anymore. I start sharing ideas. I go out there. Open source is, you know, more and more of a thing right now. Mm. But it's still so new. So I yeah. think for adoption to really happen, we will need enterprise blockchains. Initially, yeah. as the initial... At least. Catalyst. Yeah. Right. yeah. So right. unless, and, and because this isn't a technology change, by the way, with mm. blockchain people, we keep talking about it as if it's a technology discussion. It isn't. Talking centralization versus decentralization isn't a technology discussion. It's a society discussion. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a philosophical discussion. And as of today, we don't see this decentralized world in real life just yet. I think now, the, only, the closest one we have is working from home. Right. Everybody used to come to one central location and they split off. Right. Everybody's getting used to it now, but it was slowly, forced upon them, right? Mm. I've been working for IBM for 12 years. We've always worked from home, right? So w there will be some people mm. who are ahead of the curve. There will be some people who are laggards to this innovation. So unless society changes as we know it and business as we know it changes and it becomes more decentralized, which, by the way, we're not seeing right now. No. We're seeing more and more companies. We're just seeing very small pockets exactly. in, as early adopters. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, to that point, I think enterprise will be pivotal to wide-scale adoption because we will still, as consumers, want to trust not just the technology but someone that stands behind that technology. And with public blockchains, that's simply not the case. You're putting your trust in a code, in a technology, which, by the way, I'm very happy to, but I don't think a lot of people would be. I think it also depends on the use case too, right? I mean, what Definitely. behooves to put it on a public blockchain as opposed to a private blockchain. And if you're talking to government entities, of course, they're going to be totally against a public blockchain, right? Unless there's a real reason. For example, if you have a, a judgment, right? I mean, a judgment that's kind of public knowledge, so it makes sense to put it in a public blockchain where anybody can verify that that judgment was made against the so-and-so person. Whereas if you're talking about something more for private, then it makes sense for the government to use a private blockchain so that way they can protect any of the data, the confidentiality and whatnot within, within the enterprise. So we see this in the courts world. There are some information that needs to be shared. There are some information that needs to be protected within the boundary. Uh, so we see that as a, as a private blockchain. Kind of. So you're going to see both. I mean, it all depends on the use case, what the needs are, requirements are. And of course, security plays a big role on it. Of course, anonymity on the blockchain. So different use cases come into play. Absolutely. What are you guys' thoughts on like the origination of something onto a chain and then adjustment based on new information or new... So in, in the court space, a judgment is made, right? And then evidence is part of that and it all seeps up, becomes part of the whole stack, right? Right. right. I assume you've built in protocols and ability to mm -hmm. edit that if anything changes but it has to come from a specific user on the platform right or so there are very very unique use cases there where we are providing that capability for example since you mentioned this so we have uh, the protective order right i mean so that's someone if you want to request a protective order from a judge to protect yourself from somebody else and you know, trying to do harm so that, again, sometimes, at times it's confidential, and then you have, uh, there's a need to edit that protective order. If the judge quashes that protective order or ends that protective order, then you want to be able to modify the record. So there are some use cases where, even though we're yeah. keeping an audit of that, so you want to give that capability to make that changes as well. So yeah, within, yeah. within that frame. Yeah. Awesome. Well, before we go off, there's always one question we ask our, our speakers. If Bitcoin or Ethereum were to drop off a cliff, which one would you save? <laughs> and, and you asked me a million dollar question there <laughs> and why 
I'm not allowed to do political answers. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, there's no gray line here. Yeah. So I need to choose one? You have to choose, choose one. one. Which one do I save? Yeah. Haram. Yeah, haram. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want to save both. You know, one with my uh, one hand, one with the other hand. Uh, but no, in all intents and purposes, while I believe in the benefit of Bitcoin and that, that concept of decentralized money and the way Bitcoin created it, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't call myself a fan of Ethereum as such, but you know, if I want to save one or the other, Bitcoin is Bitcoin and the use case of Bitcoin is fixed. And that's it. Whereas Ethereum, at least you can evolve into other use cases. And that's the only reason, not because I'm a big fan of Ethereum as a technology or not a fan of, of Bitcoin, just because the benefit to society and to businesses and to people will not be realized through just Bitcoin. It would be realized through a contract, a smart contract ecosystem like Ethereum or Hyperledger or Corda or any one of them. Okay, yeah, I agree with, with the statement there. I think, yeah, you can morph out Ethereum into multiple different forms and shapes, if you will. But yeah, you're kind of limited on, on the, the Bitcoin side. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. Gentlemen. Oh, thank you for having us. This was fun. Thank you for having us. And if anyone wanted to get in contact with you, how could they do that? It's very easy to find me. Four letters, Slacker on LinkedIn. So connect Slacker and IBM, you know, S-A-Q-R, you'll find me on LinkedIn and that's it. And for me, yeah, same as on LinkedIn as well, Akbar Farouk, A-K-B-A-R-F-A-R-O-K, And you'll have 15,000 Akbar oh, yeah. Farouk. <laughs> just, just to look up Just Chain, Akbar Just Farouk. Chain, yes. Yeah, just, just Chain. chain Akbar yep. Just Chain and yeah. then we'll find there you. Go. Cool. Great. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much, Thanks, gentlemen. Cheers.